Hello and welcome to this episode of the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall. And as always, this is the spot where I interview people who are out to enhance the lives of physicians, especially in Canada. This is where I talk to people around about such topics such as health, wealth, relationships, well-being, side hustles, practice management, and much more. Now, there are a few big changes that I want to make sure you are aware of. So first off, as always, you can head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com to sign up for the financial literacy challenge I've created, a series of videos and a worksheet uh, where I tackle big questions I get around finances, like how to make the most of the medicine professional corporation, what are the different types of insurance and investments I should be looking at in Canada, and then pitfalls I see around retirement planning in Canada. So head on over for that. And once you do sign up for that, you'll be on my mailing list and you'll be the first to know when I have a new episode out or when I have a new whiteboard video out where I'm making complex financial concepts simple. Now, big news, if you do have on over the site, you're going to see that there's a new button there where you can book a free, no strings attached consult with me. That's for anyone who's saying, look, Galen, I love the idea of your videos. I love the idea of the workbook. I'm not sure I'm going to find time for all that. I just have one big burning question I'd love answered, or I want some of your time to answer these questions. Head on over there. If you want to get in touch with me, if you want to spend some time and ask me a question, be sure to head on over there and book a spot. Last big, big announcement, huge one. I have started recording masterclass sessions with my guests. So we are covering amazing topics such as how to start a side business quickly, important concepts around money mindset, and much more. And those videos are only available when you sign up for the challenge. There's a section in there in the membership site was the masterclass series. So when you get to the end of an episode and you hear me talking about the masterclass session that I'm about to film with the the guest, that's where you're gonna find it. So thanks so much for tuning in for these updates and on with the show. All right, everyone, welcome to this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, as always. And today I'm joined by Dr. Sam Garvey. Sam is a the co-founder of Aria Health, and we've had some amazing conversations leading up to this interview. Um, what I really get from, uh, from you is that you're very passionate about making things easier for doctors. And it sounds like that's really what you've done and what you've, um, what you've uh, put together over the last bit. Uh, so first off, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gillen. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm glad I'm glad we made this happen. And so, why don't we just um, kick off like anything around your background that you want people to know for sure? Like as we kick this off, um, just to kind of you know, like I, I for just so people know, if anyone's uh, you know any listeners, um, you're out in Vancouver. Yeah. I'm out in Eastern Ontario, but it doesn't matter thanks to the power of Zoom, <laughs> so we can have this interview. But yeah, what do you want people to know about you before we kick it off? Uh, you know, I'll try to keep it pretty brief. I mean, I, um, I grew up in Montreal. I uh, never thought I'd become a doctor. Far from thought I'd start a tech company and become an entrepreneur. So it's amazing where life takes you. Um, you know, if you had told me at 15 or 20 years old, this is where I'd end up. I, I would have never believed I'd be on the West Coast, you know, being a doctor and doing some really, really cool stuff with tech uh, with with some of my best friends. Um, but essentially, yeah, so I grew up in Montreal, went to med school at McGill, moved out west to California and trained there for some time, came up to BC, was blown away by how beautiful it is here. And uh, I was like, no, I'll just stay here for a couple of years, you know, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then 12 years later, I'm still here uh, practicing as I'm an internal medicine physician here in Vancouver. And, you know, after I did my training, like a lot of folks, you know, you're pretty beaten down after, you know, 100 hour weeks and long hours living in the hospital. And uh, I ended up actually taking a break and going doing a master's in health informatics. Um, I kind of racked my brain being like, you know, what's bothering the most about healthcare? What's leading to this? 
you know, these frustrations and it was, well, to make it better, but it just seems like not much is changing, you know, 12 years of training throughout it seemed pretty stagnant and seeing everything around you with technology evolving the way it was, and, you know, completely transforming industries. I was like, well, you know, maybe I can go learn about this a little bit and come back and, and contribute in my own way. And that's what led to a lot of the different work I've done in terms of, you know, eventually leading to Aria Health uh, that I founded with Rich Tramp and Rich Vandegreen were also uh, two physician colleagues and great buddies of mine. So, uh, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Yeah, awesome. No, I love what you're saying about how you never would have pictured yourself being here. And it seems like you really plotted your course kind of according to what you're interested in, you know, like from straight up medicine to the master's. And then kind of back to it and kind of meandered around the West Coast a bit, like from starting off in Montreal and then went over out West. Um, so talking about technology and medicine. Um, so brief first. So, I mean, I am going to ask you a bit about like what I find. Well, I find it pretty funny. Like, so I'll call a doctor's office. Like I do like online webinars, like to, to talk about financial planning for doctors and I'll call up offices to invite them. And commonly, I'd say eight times out of 10, the receptionist will say, can you fax us more information? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'll have to open up a website that I can send a fax through because I don't have a fax machine or a landline. <laughs> so, so that always cracks me up a bit with like, yeah, fax is the best way. That way I can print it out and I can put it on their their inbox, you know, da, da, da. And I'm like, oh, this is funny. Yeah. Um but before we, so yeah, so tech and medicine, um, what is, can you walk us through what Aria Health is all about? Like, what is it, what does it do? You know, like what, what are you up to with, uh, with that company for doctors? Well, that's a great question. And it's a great point you bring up because even back in 2006, when I started my internship, they said, Hey, you need to go buy a page. They didn't even give us pages over at McGill. So I remember going to the local, uh, telecommunications company and saying, Hey, listen, I'd like to buy a page. And then 2006, the guy looked at me like I was insane. He's like, Sir, can we interest you in something called a cell phone? And I was like, no, you don't understand. And back then, we weren't allowed cell phones in the hospital because they believed that they may interrupt or disrupt the technology there or God knows what. Obviously, that wasn't the case. But at the time, we weren't even allowed to use them. Uh, you know, Even now, still, we can't use texting when it comes to talking about patients. We can't use email. There's all kinds of privacy and security regulations. But... You know, it's amazing how far behind we are, but somehow facts and pagers are safer for patient care, you know, despite the fact that you don't know if the person got your facts, who has a fax machine. What if, you know, have you ever seen a fax come through? It's not very legible half the time, right? It's brutal. And then you have people scanning that and then putting into, you know, an electronic system from which they're providing care. So it's nuts. Sometimes I wonder, and I always joke around about this, you know, us as doctors are the dumbest smart people you'll ever meet. I've never, I've never met a group of people who are this brilliant and intelligent, and yet we do such stupid things when it comes to how we provide care. And you know, for, for whatever reason, I think that it just bothered me going through medical training and being like, why is everything so painful logistically? Why is everything so antiquated? Why do we keep reinforcing things that just don't make sense and actually cause harm? You know, we spend so much time looking at how you know, procedures or pharmaceuticals cause harm or benefit in patients. We do so little studies relative to it in terms of logistics of care, you know, patients coming and waiting for hours in the emergency room, how they're triaged, how that data is used, you know, how within the outpatient settings in this country, especially waiting months and months and months to see specialists. And even the way that you're sent to specialists from a GP going through their Rolodex, not really knowing what the wait times are, faxing something off, hoping to God that person gets it. And then six months later, 
you know, folks say, hey, I never even got that referral in the first place, or I never got that call back from the hospital for that test. So it really is broken. And it's not just in Canada. It's, you know, I spent a lot of time when I was doing my training being like, well, maybe other people are doing it better. So I spent a summer in France and, you know, I'd heard great things about the French system and, and you know, I'm bilingual growing up in Montreal. So I worked there and I was like, no, no, this is, this is, you know, also equally broken in different <laughs> ways. It's, it's good in some ways for sure, but there's also other things that are, you know, shortcomings that are leading to harm. You know, I spent some time in the States. I've worked, you know, and trained across California and same issues where certain things were done better, other things were done worse. But, you know, the overarching theme was, man, we're not even looking at a lot of these problems mm-hmm. and addressing them where we could really make a huge difference in care and outcomes. And that's where Aria Health came from. It came from essentially me sitting down and saying, you know what, if I'm an old man on my deathbed looking back, I'm going to regret this so much if I don't do this. It's going to kill me inside if I don't try uh, to do something about it. And ultimately, I said, you know what, this is scary and this is difficult. And what do I know about starting a tech company? But, you know, I may as well try it out. And it's okay to fail. It's, it's not okay not to, not to try. Or at least in my mind, that was really, mm-hmm. you know, my decision-making process. And so I went and I called up uh, one of my best buddies, uh, Dr. Stramko, Rich Stramko, who was a geriatrician. We trained together. And I said, hey, Rich, um, I have this idea. I want to create a tech company and, uh, you know, start an electronic health record. Um, and he's like, are you crazy? What do we know about this? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, what do these other guys know about it? Look at, look at the existing vendors and nobody's really built anything that makes sense. And the analogy I use is, you know, you got a, a flip phone versus a smartphone. That jump, you know, it's still a phone, but it's a huge difference in terms of functionality and flow and logistics and ease of use. You know, texting on an old phone versus on a smartphone and all kinds of other things that you can do. So that kind of led to the creation of Aria Health. Um, later on, we got another one of our good buddies, Rich Vandegreen, who we trained with. He's a cardiologist. And, um, you know, the three of us just started putting together some ideas, uh, started hiring some developers, started leveraging contacts uh, to build out this company. And we built out, you know, the backbone of what we saw as from which we can grow in terms of fixing a lot of our issues was the basic database of healthcare. You know, how are we accumulating information? How are we using that information Mm. and sharing that information to provide better care in a way that's smooth logistically, that doesn't, isn't death by a thousand cuts, which kind of is the case when you're using, you know, paper charts, pardon the pun, or even existing (laughs) vendors where, you know, it's so many pop-ups, so many buttons, so many clicks. First time I ever used one as a staff, I was like, I couldn't figure out how to make a prescription. And I was like, you know, I went to university for 12 years. I'm not a dumb guy. I'm not that smart of a guy. I'm not a dumb guy. How come I can't intuitively figure out how to make a prescription? I spent the whole day doing prescriptions on a pad while I was using this EMR. And I've seen time and time again, doctors have incredible issues using technology where these people are smart enough to be able to figure it out. You know, if my, my parents who are, know nothing about computers figured out how to sign up for Facebook or an email. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of nuts. So that's at the core of Aria, where it's a group of doctors who saw a problem and said, you know what, let's fix it and let's make our lives better. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I love what you're saying. So death by a thousand paper cuts, um, and yeah, the whole pager thing—that's amazing. I remember I did an internship at Bellevue Hospital because I was pre med for a while, 
And it was pretty early on with cell phones. I mean, it was like 99, I think 99, 2000 or something like that. And I remember a patient pulling out a cell phone in the ER and people just went nuts. They're like, you got to put that away. Like, you got to put that away. It's going to mess with all our machines and everything. <laughs> and she's like, I'm not even making a phone call. And she's like, no, you can't even have it on. Like, you have to turn it off. Like, it's going to ruin everything. Um, so, that's so yeah. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, you saw... And you, you, you know, like you saw that it wasn't intuitive, like it's, you know, like it was not easy to do. And, and I mean, tech is easy when it's intuitive, right? Like, like, I mean, you know, there's, there's this, um, people say like, oh, my kids understand technology so well. It's like, well, because so much of what we use is very intuitive now. Like take them back to the eighties when all we had was like DOS prompt on like a screen <laughs> and they wouldn't know what to do, but hand them a very intuitive tablet where you just tap and swipe and whatnot so it sounds like you really saw that and just like even though you didn't necessarily you're i like how your buddy is like yeah what do we know about this and you're like oh what does any what do any of these people know about this like, <laughs> the stuff isn't all that great so i mean and then so i mean it just sounds like you're really out to make it more efficient so i mean really for people that are using your systems i mean what is it like to like you're saying it's from flip phone to smartphone um like what is it what is it i mean there's i assume they're saving time or it's more efficient or like and i mean i and i love the idea that it to trickle down to the patient care like you said you're the 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 um the community is happy to look at efficiencies or inefficiencies and diagnoses and things like that but not necessarily in the bigger picture of like how we're managing records how we're managing patient transfers like you said the rolodex of specialists and not even knowing how many months it might be so yeah so you could walk us through what it looks like for someone to sort of like transition from whatever they're using over to aria health yeah and you know i'm incredibly biased when i say this but it's a breath of fresh air it's such a godsend to be able to use because um, I use it myself, all the founders, you know, the three of us use it and our colleagues use it. And that's how it grew. It grew fairly organically. We've, you know, spent zero dollars on sales and marketing so far. It's just been word of mouth of doctors telling doctors, hey, this is so much easier to use cool. and, you know, than anything else out there. So, you know, it, it kind of speaks for itself in terms of that, how it's grown from there. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately, um, it's not... You know, a lot of time when you look at how people are approaching technology, especially right now, there's buzzwords and people look for things that are sexy. They talk about AI, they talk mm -hmm. about analytics, big data analytics. People invest in those things like, oh, my God, yes, of course, there's this gold rush to those things. But, you know, in healthcare, anyways, we're so behind. I think we're decades behind so many other industries that we really have to start at the core of things and say, hey, let's let's start with the basics that aren't that sexy. You know, how do you open up a chart, enter in information in an easy way, but in a way that makes sense, where the data in there is, um, you know, uh, valid and that can later on be used for analytics. But right off the bat, if, you know, what you're seeing in medicine is a lot of doctors are going into the system and not even tagging any kind of diagnoses because they say, you know what, these SNOMED codes are difficult to use. These ICD codes are incomplete. Forget it. Or, oh, I got to do, you know, seven clicks to do this. This is nonsense. Or you know what? This diagnosis is good enough. It matches close enough to what I want to put into the system. And these are things that I've seen firsthand because before I even started ARIA, I was the Associate Chief Medical Information Officer for Vancouver Coastal Health. And we had this big Cerner project, which is the Coke or the Pepsi of electronic health records in the U.S. And within the hospital systems anyways, um, that started to expand you know, worldwide. And so you know, they were like, hey, Sam, you know about this stuff. Help us out. Let's go from paper to electronic. And the amount of times I saw my colleagues just going through these kinds of hardships and saying, I hate this, this is so difficult, and not even entering information correctly or doing shortcuts or, you know, cutting corners that, again, compromised the validity of the information, which can then compromise care. And ultimately, you know, 
if at such an early level you have those kinds of problems, then forget all those sexy big data analytics, you know, predictive analytics and other things that are amazing. Um, but you got to start with the backbone, which is the database um, and how you enter in a note, how do you enter in patient information. And then from there, you know, that's where we started with ARIA. But from there, we've built around it things like telehealth, things like patient portals, things like, you know, patient reminders, things like patient self-booking online, uh, things like billing and integrated e-fax. So we call it e-fax, but it just looks like email. It's built into the system. And, you know, God forbid we'd use email. Call it e-fax and they'll be okay with it. (laughs) The (laughs) e-pager. The e-pager. And it's, you know, we obviously abide by privacy and security guidelines around that. But we're like, wait a second, how come you should be walking to physical fax or logging into a website for e-faxing when you can just build something that's integrated in the system that looks exactly like email and you can just, you know, like an Amazon shopping cart, be like, here's my note, here's the results, here's the referral, tag, send, rock and roll. You know, and we've actually timed it and said, listen, let's take other competitors. It takes, you know, three minutes on average to create a prescription on these vendors or five minutes or seven minutes. It takes 30 seconds on ARIA. Wow. It takes, you know, 10 minutes from the time the doctor creates something to be faxed to the time it is faxed, you know, by your MOA, medical office assistant. For us, you know, oh, it takes less than a minute. These are things that you don't really notice in your practice mm-hmm. logistically. They're not sexy. You know, people aren't talking about them. They're not buzzwords, but yeah, yeah. it makes a huge difference um, when you're actually running an outpatient practice or clinic. Yeah, no, I find that very interesting. I mean, it's those small things like, you know, you're, you know, it's something that you might do multiple times a day. And, and really what I was hearing was around the, um, like doctors are kind of settling, like I can't find that exact code. So I'm just going to settle for this code or it's too hard to find that. So I'm just going to settle for this. And just like you said, like that's early on in the engagement. If you're already starting to, to, to have this divide between what's actually happening and what you're logging, it sounds like that could just potentially continue to like to keep going down the line of like, yeah, you know, it's not the exact thing that happened, but it's good enough because it's too hard to figure it out. Exactly. Uh, and um, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Uh, so two things. One is that um, I um, I was definitely at the digital forefront. Like, well, I am a. I'd say right now, even now, like during the pandemic, a lot more advisors have figured out how to use video conferencing. Like, but I was doing Skype meetings back in 2013, and my colleagues were like, "You can't do virtual meetings. Like, that's not possible in our industry. It's like coffee and a handshake, you know." Yeah. And like, so now I'm licensed in BC, Manitoba, Alberta, Nova Scotia, and Ontario, and I have clients in all those provinces, many of whom I've never met in person ever. Um, and they're like, "Yeah, they don't. They could care less, obviously, if we meet in person." So. Um, but yeah, a very similar situation. I joined the company in 2013 and they're like, yeah, here's how you use the fax machine. And I'm like, I've never touched a fax machine in my life. Like you're going to have to, and I, it's like, you have to stand here and wait for the confirmation. And I was like, what is this thing? Like, this is crazy. Um, the other thing I was going to say is I interviewed um, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Smith, who's a charting coach out of Alberta. And she, it's really cool. Like, it sounds like it would be the best, like, I mean, she talks a lot about efficiency of usage of time not on the technical side, but on the personal side. Like every time we get distracted from a task, it takes us that much longer to get back to it, you know, all those things. And what you're looking at, which I find really cool, is the actual, you know, the system, the heart, you know, the, the, the system we're using, how is it inefficient, how to make it more efficient. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, I mean, if you can save, if you can turn a three-minute task to a 30-second task and you do that 20 times a day, that's a lot of time. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And I mean, we've seen... You know, we went live with the heart function clinic and the cardiology group at one of the major hospitals here in Vancouver, and it was game changing for them. You know, they were able to take 
I believe, two full-time equivalent administrative staff and redirect them to other more meaningful tasks that involve patients instead of all the busy work they were doing with ARIA. Um, you know, it's, that's game-changing when you look at how much time you're saving. And most clinics don't even realize that they have two or three medical office assistants per practitioner who are just shredding things, faxing things, uploading things, you know, calls and reminders and everything else. There's a lot of this stuff that you can automate, but, you know, the doctors don't usually sit down with their office managers or office assistants to go through those pain points. And, you know, the people responsible for that often don't have the power or the insight necessarily to change those kinds of things. There's a lot of complexities around it. So, you know, instead of leaving that for medical centers or clinics, it's responsibility in some ways of, you know, the technology itself to say, well, we understand what the problem is. Let's automate these things. Let's fix it. Let's bring down your overhead redirect people to do more meaningful tasks with patients. Um, it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. So it sounds like it could really have a positive impact in patient care because it's just so streamlined. And would you say that some doctors are able to then see more patients, like increase the volume yeah. of patients they see? Um, again, we've looked at most specialty practices and they've increased uh, their number by 30%. So they're seeing 30% more patients in the same day. Um, so their wait times are going down significantly. And again, this is the heart function clinic at the Royal Columbian Hospital. Uh, again, we've seen data where it was a 30% increase in the amount of patients you're seeing per day. Billings go up as well. Wait times go down for patients. It's a no-brainer. It's, it's giant in terms of the efficiencies. We've also seen similar numbers in general practitioners across the board. So um, it's, it's pretty game-changing when you really look at it that way. Wow. So... Do doctors like seeing 30% more patients? <laughs> well, that's the thing. We're actually, uh, some of our colleagues on it actually just do 30% less work. There you uh, go. Well, I just <laughs> so know, probably. I mean, like, I definitely, um, you know, like, uh, yeah, I mean, especially when I think of like family physicians, I mean, that's, you know, I was talking to a, uh, a client today who's a physician who was doing a locum as a family physician. And they were talking about like how burdensome it can be to keep all the notes going. And like, you know, especially family physician, I mean, someone... And right now, especially like people are kind of backlogged all these probably health issues. And it's like, all right, I haven't seen a doctor in a year and a half. Let me come in with like the 20 things I've got going wrong. And she was like, it's kind of brutal, like tracking all this stuff with my system. And so, yeah, obviously, like someone could make the choice of I'm going to see 30% more people. And in all likelihood, my income is going to go up quite a bit. Or um, I can see less people and just like have more time. Uh, so it sounds like a win-win. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. Oh, I love it. And then, um, you know, I'd love to know, you know, uh, one thing I want to hear about is just like you talked a bit about, you saw this inefficiency inside of medicine, outside of the scope of what you actually do, so to speak, like as a physician, but you saw like you saw how it was impacting you. So what was it like to kind of take that plunge to create something outside? And like, you're not the first ones to do it, right? Like, obviously, other people are doing it, but you're like, we're going to create this thing and this sort of parallel industry, but different industry? Like what was that journey like of, of getting that off the ground? Yeah. You know, it's never, it's never easy. Um, but you learn a lot and it's incredibly rewarding. It's one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I would say, you know, getting into medicine and going through medical training was incredibly challenging. And I would say, you know, doing this, being an entrepreneur, building a tech company, learning how to effectively manage folks, hire folks, motivate folks, build technology, effectively communicate ideas. All these things are not necessarily the skill set that doctors necessarily have or are taught. 
And at the same time, we understand our industry better than most other people. So, you know, I think it's a responsibility to get engaged in that. But it was very challenging, very difficult. You grow as a person, you know, uh, you learn a lot about yourself and, and the folks you work with. And I think that, um, you know, ultimately it really came down to nobody else was really doing a good enough job of addressing these problems. And ultimately we said, you know what, well, why not us? Let's try. Um, and, you know, it's been a journey of like up and down, up and down. Um, and there are times where you're like, oh man, this is, uh, you know, we're close to failure or there's this, you know, this problem, that problem. How do we even figure this out? You know, and it's, I would encourage anybody who has an idea not to be intimidated by the difficulty of getting it up and running. It's amazing how things just fall into place sometimes if you work really hard and with a little bit of luck. You know, how do you find programmers? How do you find different folks? Um, and what kind of people do you need within the company to do what you need to do? Um, but again, you know, luckily I had my two co-founders to lean on. That's always huge to be able yeah. to, you know, lean on other folks when you're feeling a little bit, you know, you're, you're like, okay, you know, what do I do with this? What do I do with that? What do you think? Um, and especially two guys who are, you know, great guys, two of my best friends, two of the smartest people I know. Um, and to be able to grow this team where honestly, it's, it's a great group of friends. It's, that's kind of become it with Aria. Um, so yeah, so I mean, that's kind of been the, the process of getting there, um, in a nutshell. Very cool. And I mean, definitely it's interesting to hear, like, you know, having gone through, but going through med, getting into med school, going through med school, going through all that, and then like comparing it to entrepreneurship of like, it's, it's, you know, you're saying like, it's kind of up there on the difficulty scale of like, and it's like, it's, it's kind of comforting to hear. Cause I mean, I'm an entrepreneur at the end of the day, my wife's an entrepreneur and it is difficult for sure. And I love what you had to say about like, you know, a lot of things you didn't know how to do, like, you know, maybe find, you know, manage people. Uh, but it sounds like you built like a team around friends and that common goal, like you said earlier around, you know, on your deathbed, you wanted to look back and be like, I, I did this because I knew it had to be done. And it sounds like you had sort of like that North Star guiding you of like, we got to get this done. We got it like that impact at the end of the day that kind of keeps you going, even when it looks like you might fail or when something's broken or you, you don't know how to fix something. So no, that's cool. And yeah, I'm a big fan of people. Um, like I interviewed my dad, who's a doctor for my podcast. And he said that one of the things he struggled with is he didn't feel like he had a lot of creativity uh, in his practice. He's a nephrologist and he's like, yeah, sometimes diagnoses, you know, I had to kind of, you know, be creative in some ways, but he's like, he felt like he didn't have a little true creative outlet or the stakes were too high. He's like, the stakes are very high as a doctor, like life and death. Whereas if you're working on a side project, it may not be a life or death situation, but you're like pursuing that passion. So yeah, I'm a big fan of people have, if they have got that idea to like put it out there, pursue it as a side project. Um, you know, I'm, I know that time is obviously not in abundance necessarily for a lot of physicians, but you know, figuring that out and going with it definitely can be uh, rewarding. Yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. And I mean, you have to be a bit of a sadist too, because clearly working a full-time job as a doctor and running a company is a bit insane. So a uh, certain type of person, I guess, who goes into it. But you're right about the creativity point is that, you know, there are some of us, not everybody in medicine, you know, when you go into sciences, creativity may not necessarily be the, you know, the highest thing on your priority list of how you're hardwired, because there isn't that much creativity in medicine, depending on what kind of medicine you do. But there are those of us who you know, you need that outlet. I mean, as you can see in the background, I see it in yours too, you know, playing guitar. I've been playing music forever. I love to read books. I love to, you know, paint and draw and that kind of stuff. And that creative outlet is so important. And I think that 
part of, we always talk about the art of medicine as well. Mm. You know, a lot of what we do, we may not realize that there's a lot of subjectivity and nuance and, you know, uh, there was a certain outlet for that, but ultimately it's tough because for a lot of us, it's very algorithmic in terms of how you follow these pathways to diagnosis and treatment. So there isn't that much wiggle room in this day and age, but it's nice to have that outlet too with Aria, particularly where I can look at an issue and it's, it's kind of like a blank canvas where I can say, you know, that was a pain point for me today in clinic. And then I can go back to the team and say, what do you guys think about this? What do our users think about it? You know, we, we encourage everyone on Aria to give us feedback. We accumulate it, we score it. And then we say, what can we keep building? What can we keep introducing? Um, because, you know, you keep wanting to make things better. You can't stay static. There's a million and one things that you can do to improve these systems. And I mean, that's always been also one of our frustrations with existing systems where they get to a corporate level where they're making money and they're comfortable with, with that. And it's not easy to, to keep building. But, you know, for us, we say, listen, let's, let's look at our pain points. Let's look at our users' pain points. Let's keep making things better. Um, and it's an amazing creative process that way. Yeah, no, I, I love how you've got like that. You've got such interesting insight into using it, and then like looking how it's working or not working, coming back to the drawing board like that same day and like putting it back into practice. And it's like I don't know if they had this commercial up here, but it was like I'm not only the president, I'm also a client. Like there was an old commercial where a guy said that, and uh, so like you're 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 practicing what you preach, but then also having this amazing feedback loop of like very quickly. Be like, yeah. hey, I didn't like how this thing worked today. Let's come back and look at how we can fix it and make it better. So it's that's like the uh, hair club for men, right? Yeah, the hair club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not only the president, I'm also a client. Yeah, those yeah. ads have started popping up in my Facebook feed. I'm trying not to take it too personally, but uh, <laughs> hey, you, and, you and me both, man, we're getting old. So uh, <laughs> it happens. Airline <laughs> isn't what it used to be, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's very cool. No, and I mean, really, um, I think it's awesome that you've you know really taken that that desire to keep uh, you know positively impacting your your colleagues and like I mean the thing there's there's one thing like really that I love and so in my work like I really know I've done my job when a doctor says like I sleep better at night so this is the financial side of things like I sleep better at night knowing that I'm going to be okay or I'm not as stressed because I know that I'm going to be okay like those are like those big signs of like I'm doing the right thing like the day-to-day like technical stuff, that's how I get to that point. So it's when I hear that, that it's awesome. And what I'm hearing in your world is, you know, doctors saving time, like doctors, like practicing more medicine and like not getting bogged down in that minutia and like their staff being freed up to do more meaningful tasks and not like the dedicated shredder in the corner, like who's <laughs> scanning faxes and shredding the faxes, which is wild. So no, that's really amazing, man. Like that's awesome. Nice. I appreciate it. I mean, it's funny because when we first started building this, um, you know, I have an outpatient practice and I, I started just shadowing different folks who worked at the clinic. And I remember one day with one of our lead uh, MOA's office assistants, I spent maybe an hour with her. And after an hour, I was like, Jesus, this is, this is what you do every day. She's like, yeah. I'm like, how have you not quit this job? I'm like, yeah. you know, this is, you're an angel for, for doing this so patiently and that it's like, so difficult doing some of the tasks that you see. But folks don't complain. They don't bring it up. You don't know about it as a doctor necessarily. And I think, you know, you, it's nice to be able to, to fix a lot of those things and help along, along the way. There's still a lot of work to do. I mean, that's what's exciting too with Aria where, you know, it's only been a couple of years. We're a new company. You know, obviously time and money are always the two things that limit most things. Yep. And it's really exciting to be able to keep growing, keep building, keep addressing these issues, um, listen to the folks who are our colleagues and what their needs are. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. 
Amazing. No, very amazing. And so we've made the folks wait long enough. How can they find out more <laughs> about Aria Health? How do people get in there and take a look at it? Uh, yeah, you can look us up on our website, ariaehr.com. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll add a couple links um, to this. So in terms of a demo, so you can take a look at it. Don't take my word for it. Try it out. Um, you know, you can reach out to us as well at uh, info at ariaehr.com if you have questions. You can also do that through the website. So I'll throw up some material that we can uh, link to this. And, um, you know, anybody have any questions, come to me. Love to talk to you. Um, you know, co-founders as well. We're super open about this kind of stuff. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to give you a demo. I'd love to show you what we're doing. And um, yeah, get you, make your life a lot easier and simpler and more effective and efficient. That's amazing. So for everyone, check it out. ariaehr.com. So that's A-R-Y-A-E-H-R.com to check it out. And then wherever you're watching this or listening to this, I'll be sure to put some links down so people can do a test drive, do a demo. And... Also, so uh, you've graciously agreed to do a masterclass episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause the podcast, then we're going to do a video. And so what are we going to do? You're going to share screens, like go into the hood a bit, take me on a demo of the uh, yeah. of the software. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. So we're gonna we're gonna record that, and the only way you can get a, you get access to that by joining my uh, financial literacy challenge at galenhelpsdocs.com, as always, and you'll be able to get that video and look under the hood of uh, this amazing program and i can't wait to see it like i'm coming in completely you know like i have some uh you know i've used software to try to you know like organize things in my world and most of it's kind of clunky so i'm excited to see what you've got going on uh coming in as someone who's completely unaware of how things normally look so (laughs) it'll be really interesting so yeah man thank you so much for joining me no thanks for having me it's been a pleasure awesome very cool take care man hey you too cheers Hey there, thanks so much for having joined me on this episode of the Clean Bill of Wealth. I really appreciate you taking your time and having listened to this episode, uh, whether you're multitasking, driving, walking the dog, or jogging, really, really appreciate it. As always, feel free to head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com uh, to sign up for the Financial Literacy Challenge and be added to the email list so you'll be the first to know when there's a new episode out or when I've added a new whiteboard video to the series. Also, there you'll see a button if you want to just book some time with me. If you have a big question around finances, you're not sure you're going to find the time to go through the video and the challenge and the workbook, feel free to book a no strings attached call with me. And the last big thing is if you do sign up for the challenge, you will also get access to the masterclass videos that I've started filming with my guests around things like money mindset and how to start a side business quickly and many more to come. So be sure to head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com if you want to check that out. And I will see you on the next episode. Have a great day.